0: to allow him to turn the corner mama there goes that man puts up the shot it's good oh if you don't like that you don't like nba basketball oh boy welcome everyone to the first pick podcast your source for nba news related content thanks for listening hey guys welcome to the first pick podcast before I get into what today's episode is going to be about, I kind of just wanted to go over uh, why I wanted to make this show. And, uh, you know, it's been my dreams and aspirations to be uh, involved in the NBA uh, media world and such. And I feel there's nothing better to do than just, you know, get my feet wet and, you know, give this a shot. Um, obviously, I appreciate uh, anyone who tunes in and gives us a listen. Um But yeah, we're going to be doing pumping out episodes weekly, pretty much uh, related to the draft free agency. Uh, Obviously, as news and stuff comes by, we'll be aggregating that to the episodes and such. But um, I'm really excited. Um, I kind of just want to be able to give the most authentic version of myself uh, to you guys and just kind of give my two cents of everything happening in the world of basketball. And um, yeah, I'm super excited, to say the least. And Without further ado, we can get into today's episode. Uh, It's an NBA mock draft. For those of you who don't know, it's essentially uh, what I think every NBA team should do. In this mock draft, there's going to be different variations of it as we get closer to the draft, which is June 22nd. Um, But in this case, today, we're going to be doing picks 1 through 14. And then later on through the week, I'll be releasing the picks 15 to 30. And then we'll be aggregating different variations of the mock draft. We'll be doing trade versions and such and uh, keep going about that. And then we'll obviously do a draft analysis. Once that gets to there, we'll do everything, as I mentioned previously. But um, yeah, man, without further ado, let's get this show started. So mock draft 1.0. The first pick is the San Antonio Spurs. And is it any more obvious that it's going to be Victor Wembanyama? He's 7'5", 220. Power forward center. You can sl- he's versatile. That's one thing we need to get straight. He can guard any position. He can do it effectively. He could affect both uh offense and defense in another worldly level. At his size at 7-5, I've never seen anyone that's as fluid as him. The ability to catch the ball, make a quick turn, put the ball on the floor, and score, it makes the Spurs much watch basketball. And um, I think it's just something that we need to keep an eye out. Um, just how quickly he turns the Spurs into a playoff contending team. Um, Obviously, the comparisons to LeBron James back in 2003, he made the Cavs another worldly team, and the national media was on him, and I think it's going to be the same for Victor. Um, He follows in that traditional line of big men with Tim Duncan, David Robinson, and now you slot Victor Wempanyama there. He's just going to be... Perfect for that organization, and he's if they can keep him their first whole career, he's gonna barring anything that we don't see, he's gonna be amazing for that organization, and I'm I'm really happy for them, and I think they they do deserve it, they do deserve another franchise esque player. So, Victor Wembanyama, I think in every iteration of mock drafts, whether it's my mock drafts or anyone else, Victor will be going number one. I'm you can bet everything you got, and you're probably gonna hit on it. Victor's gonna be the number one pick. Um, Number two, I got um, Scoot Henderson, 6'2", 195, combo guard from uh, the G League Ignite. Um, G League has been putting out a lot of good talent uh, for the NBA draft. And I feel like Charlotte is in a really weird space where they can go best fit because they have their point guard of the future in LaMelo Ball. We can go Brandon Miller or Scoot Henderson. And I think Charlotte needs to just take best player available. And in any other draft where there is not a victor, Scoot Henderson is the number one pick. That is the greatest consolation prize we've probably had in the draft in a really long time. He's uber-athletic. He can run up and down the court, get a chase-down block, run up and down, get a really athletic dunk in, and then go back in and play defense the next play. He just has an endless motor to him, and he plays with the energy. And I think that's exactly what Charlotte needs. They lack talent. Obviously, an injury riddled season. We don't know what's going to happen with Miles Bridges. LaMelo needs to fix his ankle issues and such. But if you get a guy like Scoot, you figure out the fit later. Just like how the Kings took Tyrese Halliburton when they had De'Aaron Fox and then they ended up trading Tyrese Halliburton for Sabonis. Sabonis ended up making the Kings into the playoffs this past postseason. And I think not saying they should go into this idea, well, yeah, we'll trade one of them down the line, but you can kind of obviously picture them together in the same backcourt. I think my only cons with Scoot Henderson are his height. He's 6'2, obviously in a guard where in a league where everything is positionless, 6'2 does scare you. But because of his athleticism and his motor, you kind of brush that off. And it, it it's really it's something to look forward to over there in Charlotte. I really do like that. If he can even tweak his shooting and become a sub 30% shooter effectively with a lot of volume, sky's the limit for the guy. I gave NBA comps to every single prospect, but I won't be going over every single one of them. That'll be in the reading portion that'll be coming out uh, mid this week. But for the sake of this, I compared him to Washington, D.C., John Wall and Bulls Derrick Rose, MVP Derrick Rose. He just has that athleticism and the ability to go from one to three just really quick. And I think that's going to be really beneficial for Charlotte. Number three, I have Brandon Miller. A lot of people say that this draft is top three, but once you get into the guys that are in the teens and the the 20s, this draft is really deep. Obviously, you do have your three guys that are probably standing above the rest, but there is no big gap difference. Brandon Miller, though, is a special talent. He's 6'9", he's 200 pounds, a small forward out of Alabama. He's the only one out of the top three picks that went the collegiate route. He's a three-level scorer and a tough shot maker. My only thing for Brandon Miller is his efficiency and what happens when the shot isn't falling. What is going to happen to him at that point? We saw in the March Madness tournament, he became a 29% field goal shooter, which is probably the worst field goal shooting we've ever seen. So we just want to see what else can he do to affect the game. And I think Portland is in a really tough spot. They just... Pre-drive workout with uh Scoot Henderson. Brandon Miller is someone that I think can go either way in their rebuild. They can either go full rebuild, trade Damian Lillard, and build around a group of Anthony Simons, Shaden Sharp, Brandon Miller, they can do that. Or I think Brandon Miller can play that three and he can be that sidekick next to Dame. Obviously, Dame's getting older, though. His contract's not getting any nicer either. And you're probably going to have to wait on Brandon Miller's development. So you'll be banking on him becoming a 20-point per game scorer pretty early in his career, which I think he can. In order to develop him correctly, I think going to a team where it's full rebuild and they give him the ball and they let him develop, they let him learn, I think that's ultimately the best decision for him obviously he has some legal stuff going on in the background but um obviously everyone has said that he's responded correctly hopefully that doesn't affect his draft stock or anything but putting that all aside talent wise brandon miller top three in this class you can even make a case from going number two but i have him going three here uh to portland number four i have my biggest riser um watching film on him Jarice walker uh, 6'8", six eight two thirty five. He has an NBA ready body already. He went to Houston, and I have him staying in uh, the Houston Rockets. I think Houston is in a weird space as well, where they want to get out of being uh, at the bottom of the Western Conference, and they want to accelerate that. You hear the rumors of James Harden coming back, and if that and if that is true, a lot of mocks have a point guard going here at four. But I. I'm going under the understanding that this will coincide with my free agency episode and they do get James Harden. Jerice Walker fits that perfectly. If you can put on a lineup of assuming you keep everyone and you outright sign James Harden as a free agent, you have Harden, Green, Jerice or Jabari Smith, three, you're three and four and Stangoon at the five. That's a great starting five. Jerice Walker can do a little bit of everything seeing his tape. He had a small offensive role in Houston uh, University, but I feel like if, He gets into the NBA. I don't think he'll be put in a role where he's the first, second, or third scoring option. He's more of those glue guys. And I think because Houston is going win now, they don't need the best talent available. Even though Drace Walker is, in every other mock draft, predicted to go top seven, I have him going fourth. He fits into that scheme that Houston would run. Those switchable guys that can guard positions one through five, and he can catch and shoot. He can put the ball on the floor, make a play off the pick and roll. It's just a matter of how much he's able to handle at the NBA level. And obviously, there's going to be bumps in the road his rookie year. But I think he could be an integral part to a contend, not a contending, a playoff contending team. He could be a, a really key role in that team. And I really do like Jarese Walker for Houston there. At five, I have uh, a Thompson, six, seven. He's from overtime elite. I put three positions here for him. I put point guard, shooting guard and small forward. He's a freak athlete, first of all, a man Thompson. I saw a video on my feed, and this kid, they raised the, what is it, the two-foot jump thing, and he cleared it, like, with room to spare. He is beyond athletic. Um, when I watch his his games, he's very free-flowing. He has this relentless effort to him, and his perimeter defense is really good. Now, something that you should probably keep an eye on when it comes to a man Thompson is, His shooting is not where it's at and the level of competition. He is going to be the first player out of the Overtime Elite League, which is a league made by the company Overtime in New York. Um, And it's kind of just like a bunch of high schoolers and people playing. And it's a really fun program. But I feel like for a man, the athleticism really did carry him in that league. He was able to outrun everyone, outjump everyone. And I feel like in the NBA where everyone is kind of not the same athletically, but you got a couple more guys like Amen that are athletic. It's going to be a little tough because of his non-shooting. And then obviously because of his non-shooting, you worry about his off-ball presence. What happens when he doesn't have the ball in his hands? And that's my worry. I have him here in Detroit. But Detroit needs to go best player available. And Amen Thompson is the best player available. But they do have their point guard backcourt of the future. They have Cade Cunningham and they have Jaden Ivey. Jaden Ivey put up a solid rookie campaign and Cade Cunningham is... Really, really good. Cade Cunningham is this 6'7", six, six, point guard, really fluid, um, needs the ball in his hands to be effective also. But I feel like, like I mentioned previously, because we're in this positionless basketball, he's able to fit into that scheme, and I think he'll be able to grow. And they can throw out these lineups of a man, Cade and Jaden Ivy, and I think it'll work pretty good because you got two guys over six seven. You were able to figure it out as it goes. But I do think you go best player available here and you take a man Thompson for sure. Number six, I have Anthony Black. I really like Anthony Black's game. He's 6'7", 200 pounds, point guard, shooting guard out of Arkansas. He's a tall point guard. He play mix for others and he has defensive upside. I think at college, he was very limited because of the floor spacing around him. Nick Smith Jr. in and out of the lineup, injuries and such. No one really played to their fullest potential, but Anthony Black made the most of it. Obviously, you got your shooting limitations with him, which become offensive limitations with him, and his weight. He needs to put on some weight. But he reminds me a lot of Lonzo Ball coming out of UCLA. Obviously, Lonzo had a better offensive game coming from college. Obviously, it didn't translate to the NBA right away, but Lonzo was able to hit a three pointer in the clutch. And I feel like Anthony Black still lacks that, but because Orlando has... Two picks in the lottery, and they have their two wings already done and set. Franz Wagner, 20-point-per-game score. Paulo Banquero, who just won Rookie of the Year. Anthony Black is able to go in there and become a floor general for them, and he's tall, so he can make it up on the defensive end for that team. Obviously, you worry about the shooting with Anthony Black and Paul your starting center coming into next year, Wendell Carter Jr. and Paulo Banquero. three guys that can't really shoot, but I think... You go with a point guard here because it's been a position where you've been throwing guys in and out of the lineup. You have your Markels, uh, your Cole Anthony, Jalen Suggs. You've been brought in a bunch of guys, and you don't know who's fitting where. But Anthony Black is someone that I think can start a refresh and be your main point guard of the future. And if you can develop him to a sub-30%, Even wishful thinking of 40% three-point shooter, it's the perfect point guard for Orlando. Follows in the tradition of Penny Hardaway, even going there back in the day, just a tall point guard that can create for others. Really tall, really athletic, gets everyone involved. I really like the fit of Anthony Black. If he can develop into what I think he can develop into. Um, Number seven, I have, I guess, my biggest faller. A lot of people have this man going in the top five. It's uh, Villanova's Cam Whitmore. He's 6'7", 230. A lot of people question the fit with him and Benedict Matherin. But I feel like Indiana, this fit is beyond perfect. I think people are forgetting you have, before he was hurt, you had the league leader in assists in Tyrese Halliburton. And I think with year two, Benedict Matherin hopefully taking an efficient jump because he was already a scorer, but he lacked efficiency. So an efficient jump. And then you add Ken Whitmore, who is already an efficient scorer. He's a great inside scorer. He's comfortable enough to dribble in the half court and he's has a big frame already for the nba if you had that and then you have your miles turners later in the draft they have a pick in the first round again i have them taking a power forward that's a great young core for them and i think it goes unnoticed but Tyrese Halliburton's ability to control every piece of the court is Chris Paul-esque, and I think Cam Whitmore fits right into that mold. You'll have your two scorers in Benedict Matherin and Cam Whitmore. You have your shot-blocking center. I think without any injuries, this team is definitely going to be a playing team, could possibly even be a top-six seed. Cam Whitmore is just a a really good scorer. I just worry about him when it comes to an off-the-dribble scorer, when I have to give him the ball and make him make a play that's the only thing i worry about but because indiana is full of those guys that can do that cam whitmore just slides in perfectly at this seventh spot number eight i have a thompson uh six seven two hundred and five so a little heavier than his brother a shooting guard from overtime elite as well again the con is just how do these overtime elite athletes fare to the nba competition it's going to be a little tougher transition in my opinion but Washington needs a point guard of their future. And obviously, Asor is listed as a shooting guard, but his shot is a lot better than his brother's, and he was a lot off the ball. If I can get him to a role where he has the ball in his hands more and he's playmaking for others, you have his defensive upside because his brother's such a good defender. You'd have to think that he can develop that. You're getting a slam dunk point guard of the future right here with Asora Thompson. He's a Better shooter, as I mentioned previously. He's a good ball handler still for an off-ball guard that he was in overtime league, He's creative, and he has the hype for it. So if you can have him running as running next to Bradley Beal for the next five years, I think that's a home run for Washington here at eight. I, I really do like Asore Thompson here. Number nine, I have the Jazz taking Taylor Hendricks. A lot of people have him going 10 to 11, maybe even 12. I have him going inside the top 10 at number nine here. He's 6'9", 215. He's my favorite player of the class. He can play small forward, power forward. He can even run your small ball center if you really want to. But the Jazz are building something special. It's a court of all-star, 25-point-per-game, Laurie Markkinen. Taylor Hendricks, who can easily become a Robert Covington player, Jeremy Grant player that can average 15 to 20 points per game, purely based off catch-and-shoot jumpers and layups and doing the dirty work. And you have Walker Kessler, who almost led the league in blocks in his rookie year. He has a high motor, defensive upside is through the roof, and he's a shooter. For his first year obviously the competition in central florida probably wasn't the best but i mean the tape speaks for itself he lacks a little ball handling and playmaking skills which i mean you don't really expect that from a guy that's probably going to play your fourth spot but it'd be nice if he can develop that because he'd be playing next to laurie market and then walker kessler but i mean that front court right there really just accelerates the rebuild in utah obviously you think rebuilds last five seven years trust the process type of rebuild but the Utah Jazz with the hauls that they got from Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell just less than a summer ago getting Taylor Hendricks here at nine is just a slam dunk pick for them and it, it'll be really nice to see what they do with their guards while surround out they can already be a playing team as soon as next season because they were already on the cusp of being a, a playing team this season so adding a guy like Taylor Hendricks is it's really going to help them uh number 10 I have Grady Dick for the Dallas Mavericks 6-8 The best shooter in the draft. It's pretty simple. When you have guys like Luka and hopefully you resign Kyrie, putting the defense pressure, driving in, scoring... Obviously, they're going to have multiple people looking at them as they drive, trying to get a steal and stuff. Grady Dick is the perfect person that you kick out, and he's probably going to make the open three. I expect nothing less than 36, 37% from three from Grady Dick this season, whichever team he lands on. Um, Shooting is one of the things that it could take a while to transition to in the NBA, but because of how well he shot it, In Kansas, I feel like he'll have no problems watching his games and such. He drives to the rim a lot, which is something that I didn't expect, because when you hear his name, you think of the best shooter in the draft. But he has this sneaky athleticism to him where he does a pump fake, drives it in and probably does a dunk. And he has a lot of chase down blocks over there back in Kansas. Obviously, you want him to keep that for the full 48 minutes of an NBA season. So that's one con where it's not always there. Defensive instinct, but and then his frame and his ball handling that's other stuff. But just the fact that he's so comfortable with doing a pump fake, driving in, hitting a mid or even trying to yam the ball it's just something that you admire and you hope it reminds you of Utah's Gordon Hayward back when he was an all star a guy that can knock down a shot, do a couple pump fakes in the mid range, he can slam it on someone. Utah's Gordon Hayward was an all star for a reason. I think Grady really they can be exactly that for um, if he develops everything correctly. Number 11, it's another draft prospect. I think is going to be really good. His name is Keontae George, 6'4", 185. When I see his games, I think of a scorer extraordinaire. He's a guy that's a terrific off-the-ball shooter. He has a great handle. He's extremely creative. It's something that this Orlando team needs. As I mentioned before, they have these guys that they throw in and out of the lineup, guys that uh, sadly have been getting injured and there's no real consistency in the guard spots over there in Orlando and I feel like Keontae George is someone that can definitely take the shot make the shot and most importantly stay on the court as I mentioned he's not afraid of taking the shot and in a world where I have them picking Anthony Black who's a non-shooting guard pairing him with the guy who will take every single three-point shot that he finds wide open I think it's a match made in heaven that's a backcourt for them that they can develop into the future pair them along with those wings and that center position they have orlando could be really good obviously the cons to him it's efficiency because he's willing to take those shots they're not always going to go in but at the end of the day i'd rather him shoot those shots and show that he's willing to take them and over time he'll develop his efficiency and when to take these shots and when it's smart and that's something that he'll develop his defense obviously he's a Decent on-ball defender, but you want him to become more aware off the ball and you want him to become a good matchup defender. If he becomes a really good one-on-one defender, then you're talking starting shooting guard. Right now, I have him projected to come off the bench for Orlando. He has this Jordan Poole to him where you give him the ball and he's a source of offense. But we just saw what happened with Jordan Poole in the playoffs where his shot wasn't falling. How was he affecting the game? There was games where he scored zero points, games where he had 11 minutes played the whole game. Obviously, and that comes with efficiency. If he can become an efficient scorer, a smart scorer, and become a plus defender, you're looking at someone who can be in that CJ McCollum area of NBA basketball. And I I really do like this fit with Orlando with Keontae George here. A little higher than what other mocks have him as. Number 12, I have uh, Jordan Hawkins. Just won uh, the March Madness Tournament. He's a really he's the best movement shooter in this draft. Grady, I have him as the best shooter in the draft, but movement shooter is someone who can come off a couple screens uh, and knock down the shot at a high clip and I think Jordan Hawkins does that and he's a good defender and he has championship pedigree. Obviously, a championship in college is not the same as a championship in the NBA, but I do feel like a team that was one win away from the playoffs Having a guy that can probably hit a big shot in that game like Jordan Hawkins really does help. My only con to him is he's an extreme late bloomer. His name really started catching heat in the mock drafts as uh, the tournament went on and as they won the championship and everything. So you're just with the late blooming, you look at consistency. Can he keep this up at the NBA level? And you look at his handle. There are clips of him being able to catch the ball, one dribble in for a pull up mid range or He is comfortable enough, but I want to be able to create your own shot, bringing the ball up the court, coming off the screen and such. I want to be able to see that from Jordan Hawkins. But I really do like to fit in Oklahoma City. I really like what they're doing in Oklahoma City. You have a guy like Chet who's uh, missed his whole rookie year, so he's coming in as a rookie as well. You got to find minutes for all these guys. And I feel like Jordan Hawkins slides perfectly into that backup shooting guard, small forward role. And eventually, you hope to develop it into your starting two or uh, three, because obviously, your starting two is uh, Josh Giddy there. But I really do like it. And then he provides versatility on the offensive end for sure. Number 13, about to finish uh, the lottery. We have the Toronto Raptors selecting Cason Wallace. He's six four. I think he's the perfect replacement for Fred Van Vliet. Um, as simple as I can put it, Fred Van Vliet is leaving Toronto, most likely than not. I don't. We'll be talking about where I think he could be going to in our free agency episode. But Caseen Wallace is a Fred VanVleet clone, but a lot younger and a lot more athletic. Kaysen Wallace picks up 94 feet. He's the best perimeter defender in the in the draft. He's a decent shooter and he's a quick playmaker. Back in Kentucky, he was a lot off the ball the first half of the season. A lot of injuries happened, and then he was asked to take a more on the ball role. He answered the call to a T. He became a floor general for his team. He gave everyone open jump shots, and he was able to still find his, which I think is still important. Getting him in that team with OG and Scottie Barnes, assuming you keep OG and an that's a scary three for defense, for teams. That's three guys you can throw at every position, and they'll probably do a pretty good job. I really do like Kaysen Wallace, and I think he could be a good successor to Toronto's Fred Van Vliet. I really do like the fit there. And the last pick that I'm going to be going over for the mock draft uh, for the lottery will be the New Orleans Pelicans and them selecting Nick Smith Jr., a 6'5", 185, uh, point guard, shooting guard, combo guard from Arkansas as well. Teammate of Anthony Black. I have two teammates going in the top 14. He's a big-time scorer, though. Obviously, you hear the injuries, and you hear how he was in and out of the lineup and during his college year. With that, I like to see it in a positive way in the sense of he was still able to string together a couple of scoring outputs of 20 plus point per games and even averages of 20 points per game throughout the season, which I think is, is speaks to his character. The fact that he was injured and still able to score New Orleans is a team that at times is very stale. Sometimes they give the ball to Brandon Ingram or they give the ball to Zion and they don't move at all. And I feel like Nick Smith is another guy that you can give the ball to and he'll probably score. CJ McCollum is getting up there in age. You don't know how Kira Lewis Jr. is going to develop. He's heading into year 3 or 4 I think coming off a big injury you don't know how he's going to develop. So Nick Smith is a guy that you can kind of throw into the fire, he'll probably get his buckets. I really did compare him to Bones Highland just based off the frame, small guard, smaller guards but score at a high level. So obviously his cons are going to be his health, his consistency and his defense, but in a team that lacks offensive firepower, Nick Smith completely fits the mold there. I really like this pick for New Orleans and I hope that it's something that they do really consider come draft time. But um, yeah, guys, nevertheless, thank you guys for hearing the first episode of the First Pick podcast. We just went over the lottery, which is picks one through 14. Uh, later on this week, I will be releasing an episode of picks 15 through 13, the rest of the first round, along with a written portion of everything that was discussed through this. Thank you guys for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed and thank you guys.